Jason? Jason? Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But you have a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. What are you people? It's us. Hi, welcome to Space Bras, the sci-fi movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Mary Johnston, and this little double trouble angel next to me, in spirit only because social distancing, is Kate. Hi, Kate. Hey, Mary. So happy to be here. Me and my second half. If I, I had to be, self. if I had to be tethered to anyone, I'd want to be tethered to you. Oh my gosh, ditto. If I oh had to, goodness. if I had to deprive myself of a soul, I would only do it for you. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get into that because I got I got lots of thoughts about all that yep. shit. Um. Eh, anyway, anywho, speaking of, we're gonna be talking about us. Jordan Peele's uh, second feature film, and dare I say, his best feature film. That's how I feel um, about it. I love Get Out, but Me us, too. Is, us is a freaking meal, you know? Yeah. We talked, I complained about Meat on the Bone in the Halloween episode. I didn't complain. I suggested that maybe Halloween had you wanted Less more interiority. This yeah. movie is only interiority. Shock a block full of yes. it. Oh my god! It's not only, I but it's a lot of it. it. Yeah. yeah. No, this movie is fantastic. I love this movie. Um, it's also it's also a story very much about like the U.S. of A. You know, America potentially America. about us, the U.S. Uh-huh. Get it? Get yes. it? Yes. Get it? So, uh, so you know, now now would be the time. That we'd like to make a little plug to you. America. Please go and vote. America. Please don't let this one election just like pass you by. Like just, just, just don't let your vote be suppressed. Get out there and vote. And I'm not going to say what lots of people love to say. Mary, what am I not going to say? Oh, I don't know. There's so much. There's so I'm many I'm not things... going to say, I don't care who you vote for. I'm not oh! going to say, it doesn't matter who you support. I was like, go out there and vote. annoying things do people say Cause, about voting? Because that's, that's, a, that's a sentiment that like I appreciate some people have. I do not. That is bizarre shit. No. I care. I used to not. I care. This is this election more than others. I care. So go out and vote and vote for Biden. Don't vote for Trump. All right. You're not At voting the very for Biden. Least, You're don't voting vote against for Trump. Trump. Yeah. You're voting against Trump. Yeah. Vote against Trump. I ask that you vote for Biden so that we, you know, can have get a rid of chance of defeating him and get rid of him. Yeah. Um. After that, hell, maybe we'll impeach Biden. I don't care. I really don't. Just. <laughs> You know, use that your vote. Be, that would be buck wild, bananas, bonkers <laughs> shit. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying we should oh impeach him. Oh my that god, if we impeach Biden and we, uh, but yeah, okay. Obviously, that's not really a thing. <laughs> I just want you to fucking vote for Biden. Okay. We re- recommend strongly. Recommend. We strongly. recommend strongly. America, anyway. the best. <laughs> like voting um uh public service announcement of all time in my opinion is 
on the election episode of King of the Hill, where Hank Hill finds out that George W. Bush has a terrible handshake and is oh, like, "Oh, we I handshake, yes." Yes, I was like, I don't know if you can vote. It was like during the credits, and he was like, "Everyone should go out and vote." It's like kind of like phrased like a um, like an infomercial, and he's you'll like, be eligible to win these valuable prizes: freedom, civic pride, and a brand new president. Democracy integrity <laughs> it's so good <laughs> that's kind of how i feel about it yeah um, I, no i buy that i believe that very strongly yeah yeah uh-huh. and you know what you can also vote early i would do that i've already voted it feels great it also feels great because i get like a million political like text messages a day and because i am apparently becoming an old person i respond to them because i know that there's actual volunteers on the other end and it's thankless work and so yeah. I responded to them. And I'm like, yeah, I've already voted. Thank you. I voted for Biden. Um, and yeah. uh, and it feels great. It just feels nice to be able to be like taking care of it. It's did you, on did it. you do a mail-in ballot or did you go an early vote in person? I got a mail-in ballot and then I went to my local library where they had special ballot return mailboxes and I stuck it in there. And while I was there, I helped two elderly folks who were not very mobile vote as well by taking their ballots and not making them get out of their car. So it felt great. Um, Democracy. You just, like, made yourself into, like, you know, like, the movie boy, like, I want to say Girl Scout, but let's be honest, the movie Boy Scout version of this story. Yes. No, it and was, then it was... I helped a cat out of a tree and two elderly people across the street to vote. <laughs> and it was absolutely, and all, it absolutely all, was. But I was watching yeah. this, like, shaky old man get out of a car being driven by a presumably shakier old woman. And he was holding their ballots. And I was like, hey, I'll take those for you. And then, the, and to their credit, they watched me and made sure I actually mailed their ballots. And then I went back and they were like we got to get rid of them and i was like we got to get rid of them yeah and <laughs> got in my car it was great uh so we dive in. democracy integrity <laughs> yes win these valuable cash prizes um yeah so without today, further ado let's get into us we have so much to say yeah so so as i mentioned this was uh, a 2019 film uh by jordan peele uh that uh, has just an incredible cast, the most standout of which was Lupita Nyong'o. She is so good in this. I mean, like, she I do... is very expressive. Yeah, like, well, and holy I, crap! And I only this time, like, watching it, I've seen I've seen this movie many times. I think this movie, I finally figured out. I think a lot of the doubles have um, prosthetic teeth, and that does yeah. change how they look. Somewhat. Sure, or like I think like one of the faces she makes like there's something in her like mouth to like make it that you know what I mean. I know exactly uh, which face you're talking about, and yeah. all the hair on my body just. Turned oh I know my god, it's exactly. so exactly. Oh, I hate yeah. that. I hate that part. It's so scary. Uh, but she is like wonderful and scary. But like, really, I mean, no one has serious prosthetics. You see them in full light of day for the most part. Like you see them in light, you would know. It's not like they like. It's not like they, like, make her forehead more sinister or something. She's doing that. It's her work. Um, and she also came up with a voice all on her own. Um, I, I mean, I think it was, like, a collaboration with probably Peel and, like, other people. But, like, that was her invention. So she should get credit for that. I agree. So, first impressions. I distinctly remember seeing Us, and it blew me away. And I thought it was just this, like, unflinching exploration of how evil evil how evil how evil capitalism is 
and and the things that class does to us as a society. And every time I watch it, it like shakes me to my core. I love this movie. Yeah. So when I love a movie, I of course need to get the to the internet to see what other people <laughs> said about it. Yeah. And part of that, because it was so new and there wasn't really that much, you know, there wasn't like thought pieces or those things as much. I read a bunch of reviews about it. And basically I found this like really weird. I mean, there were good reviews and reviews I liked. And then there were some reviews that were just like terrible and like, who cares? But (laughs) there was this like really weird trend where people are like, oh, it's very good. It's obviously very good. Very good. But... It's cluttered, it's too complicated, it's muddled, and that keeps it from achieving the glory that is Get Out. And I was like, what's up with all these backhanded compliments of reviews? So don't take my word for it. Here are some few choice nuggets from (laughs) well-respected publications. (laughs) All, by the way, I would like to preface this set written by white reviewers. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I think potentially it does. I think we all know it does. Let's not even. So this is David Elderstein from the New York York Magazine. Also, you can find this on Vulture. This is just a paragraph, uh, a choice paragraph. Um... But to give Peels a vision its due, you need to have the skill of artist animate an artist slash animator like Mizaki, who for whom the boundary between the physical and spiritual world is porous, and those rabbits could take human form and vice versa. As a horror buff, I hate to admit it, but Peel's attachment to creaky genre tropes is already starting to hold him back. The good news is he's more than halfway to creating his own syntax, his own means for illustrating the sunken places of the world. I have a feeling that there'll be miraculous excavations to come all right then we have manola i believe it's Dargest from the new york times once red starts to explain things it also telegraphs the story's weakness us is peel's second movie but his ideas pile up the doubles the terrors explained it starts to feel like his second and third combined one of the pleasures of get out was its conceptual and, ele- and narrative elegance the streamlining that made it feel shorter than its runtime us feels longer but it's a surfeit of stuff. It's cinephilia, bunnies of doom, sharp political detours, and less successful myth-making can make it feel like unproductive can make it feel unproductively cluttered. He also oh. busied up his story with too many details, explanations, and cutaways. Peel's problem is not his ambition. He is blissfully. But he also feels like an artist who's been waiting very long to see a great deal. And with here he steps on and muddles his material, including a fight oh. <laughs> that delivers Salutes even Nwango's best efforts. All right, this is the what? last one. This is the last that one. That fight's amazing. That's the last one. Oh this my is, god. Uh, this is Stephanie Zachary for time. This is the one that makes me the most mad. Um, yet the rest of us is laden with metaphors and they pile up so quickly that even Peel can't keep up with them. The movie repeatedly references Hands Across America. And then she tells you what Hands Across America is. Um, hold on. In us, the shadow people form a similar chain. But it's hard to know what Peel's trying to say with that image. Are they semi-zombies of us, just less fortunate? Are the semi-zombies of us just less fortunate versions of us? Are they actually us, but we don't know it? Is their clumsy oh anger God. somehow superior to thought and reason? That's the worst one. After oh all... My, what? It That's has like willfully misunderstanding oh, this, this movie. Is, this is the worst part. After all, it has unified them. So, she just says... 
Um, is their clumsy anger somehow superior to thought and reason? After all, it has unified them, even while we above ground humans are more divided than ever. What? Gatekeeping, Ooh. condescending, purposely misunderstanding horseshit is this? It makes me so mad. Yeah, now I understand why you were so <laughs> kind of, kind of I, like, first thing in the morning. I yeah, I, like, her, was, like, pissed. And she comes at me with some serious energy, including me, like, we're not just going to focus on the white people. I'm like, that has never been my intention. Like, not my plan. I don't understand what's but now happening you get it. right now. I don't know if I've made a podcast with you before that you feel like I no. did something like that no but now you get but, it yeah no, like this is, that's yeah this is some horse shit well and we're gonna get uh, into why it's some horse shit but i just want to say that this movie is dense with symbolism and i don't yes. get all of it but i don't need to to pick up what peel is putting down here like well, and to, to be fair i think that this movie like most great works of art asks for the audience to do work. Well, sure. And like, if you want to, like, really enjoy it. But I think the message absolutely. is pretty dang clear. No, of course. The, the Like, so I, I was talking to Mary. Natasha Trethaway, uh, a former poet laureate and um, a bad bitch, if not very productive when critiquing your poems, uh, <laughs> once said <laughs> that, uh, that a, a good poem should be like looking into a pool of water. On a first read... You can see a reflection. You understand, like, a message. You get it. it. You take away something salient. It's fine. But if you're willing to do the work, you get to excavate down into the water and see all sorts of amazing things. And, um, yeah, you definitely know what this movie's about when you first come out of it. I was not confused about what the movie no. was about when I left. Allow um, me to put on my tinfoil hat for a minute. I... <laughs> I, think, I don't think it's even ten foil. I think it's I think it's just a regular hat, Mary. I think uh, I think which is going to turn out to be a mistake. Most hats are, but I think that I think that these reviewers are really uncomfortable with what us is about, and they're just brushing it off, and they don't want to deal with it, and that's why they wrote these reviews, and it makes me really mad um, that they did that. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. it does it does affect it does affect the number of people who go see this movie. It does affect the box office. Yes. Like all of these and it things affects, matter. Like, if you're willing to put in, like, yeah, like if you're someone who this movie challenged, instead of like after you first see it, instead of like thinking about it, it could make some people be like, oh yeah, just too dense. Obviously, obvious. Like this guy said so. So like uh, you know, it's just it's it's, it's unknowable. Just when it's yeah, when it's not, it's not ineffable. It is. It is quite the thing is get out is a parable. Okay. Uh, I was listening to the podcast still processing where they talked about uh, us and they were like, if you took race away from get out, you don't really have a movie. If you take race away from us, you've got plenty because this is such a bigger story than just that. Yeah. Well, you and know, I, like I think the race of it all also like precludes makes a lot people of uncomfortable. Well, it precludes, I think these reviewers from really like picking up, the the end of the stick that the they're supposed to yeah. grab yeah like I, I think yeah. it does it doesn't it doesn't help them but like that's not the movie's fault that's their fault that's some implicit bias bullshit and real talk I feel like I came out of this movie and it was after like I you know that was I I was finishing grad school that's when I did that project where like I was helping a classmate bring like a story to life that was a different narrative than any I would tell and. 
so many movies are made for white people men uh by white people men and honestly it gets fucking boring like it's really wonderful to get to see stories that are from different perspectives and talk about like a different experience of the world that i don't inherently immediately know so this is incredibly relatable to everyone but like i think that that's also nice that's how you get like new and fresh works you know yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, of course, and um, I think that there's just, I think that there's just sort of some unwillingness here to yes. to scratch below. I think that Get Out is more comfortable of a story to view if you're a if you're a woke bay, and this movie yeah. does not is not comfortable to view if you ha- make a certain amount of money. You said very clearly, and I I don't mean to you know, but. You said to me this morning, if you watch Get Out and you're uncomfortable, you ch- you can just choose not to be a racist. If you watch Us and you're uncomfortable, you are living in a system. Yep. Yep. And it's and it's hard. Like no one is let off the hook. So it's it's yep. difficult and I think it's it's difficult subject matter, but it is not confusing. And I I'm proud to be one of the two white ladies that are going to be talking about this today who are not going to be tend to be baffled by what the story is trying to tell us. <laughs> so, Kate, would you want to tell all those brilliant ghouls out in podcast land with us what Us is about? Set the scene. Lay, lay the me, table for us. Let me set us. the stage. Yeah. Along with her daughter, son, and a beautiful, handsome husband, Adelaide Wilson returns to her parents' summer home only to stir up some trauma from her childhood when, on her 12th birthday, she had a traumatic run-in in a hall of mirrors. Adelaide grows increasingly uh, concerned and worried that uh, something bad is going to happen only for her fears to be realized when a family of four stands in her driveway linking hands. Uh, it only takes a few minutes later for her son to say to them, they're us, and for us all to understand that right now their attackers are their doppelgangers. So that's that's the movie Us. It starts off the first third's super scary invasion uh, horror story. Uh, the second third's kind of like an on-the-run, you know, like, uh, yeah, uh-huh, on-the-run story, and the the third act is just its own thing entirely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty scary the whole way through. Probably the last third is the least, yes. the least scary of the any of it. The last act is the least scary. I rewatched it recently. I was like, only the first third scary, and I was like, no, nope. <laughs> plenty of there's true. plenty of thrills and chills. That's, that's something I convinced myself of because the whole uh, way through. I I had my parents watch it with me. Uh, they had tried watching it before. And had turned it off, not because it was baffling and incomprehensible, but because it was scary. Because it was <laughs> so too scary! Yeah, so I made them watch it with me and they enjoyed it. Uh, which all made me proud of my parents, who are... My mother's literally about to be 70. My father is in his 70s. Like, I mean, not... not. <laughs> you, too, <laughs> can watch a movie that makes you feel uncomfortable and still enjoy it. Anyway. Of course. Um, of course. Um, I'm glad that well, they did like it. I, I do think that if there is one piece of this that makes it unaccessible is that it is quite scary. Like, I understand if there are people... It who... is a very scary movie. <laughs> yeah, it took a while for it. me. Like, like, I can watch it... Um, I can watch it now 
and it not scare me as much because I I think I've like I think I've now seen it four times. You know. Well, and you know, and you know but, how it's gonna end. Like that does yes. take some of the heat off of it. But the first but, time like, you watch it, it is very scary. Like I the understand if people still scary. Like yeah. it, you know, it takes some. And I bet if I watched it alone, uh, and at night, no, I probably couldn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but during the day with bright lights on the way, I like to watch horror movies. <laughs> yeah. If you want. If you want to get really mad, you can, well, I mean, this is, like, just a good prescription to get mad anytime. You can read the reviews on IMDb about this movie. <laughs> never. <laughs> Fucking never. I listened to two podcasts about it, and I'm going to be talking about them both just because uh, it was funny because neither neither of the podcasts were negative. Still Processing was really interesting. In fact, they read the book Beloved to do a comparison. A oh, interesting. Comparison. It was. It's a very interesting read. And I'll, so I'll 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 make a couple mentions of that. Were they but, spoiler um, free for us, or were they spoiler free for Beloved, or were they both or both? They didn't want to spoil us because it was just out in theaters. Got so it. So they uh they used Beloved as a way of talking about the parallels in these stories without going into specifics because they could say what was happening beloved and be like it's it's the it's different but kind of the same that's deeply Um, deeply clever i do like the idea that they'd be like very clever that they're i do i do sort of in some small part of my soul wish they were like listen we'll tell you everything (laughs) that just about a movie that came out a week ago but i'll be damned if i (laughs) tell you the end (laughs) the end of a movie of a book that came out in the late 80s yeah exactly (laughs) is is nothing sacred (laughs) she's so good um no for sure so so if you're here you're here to listen to an analysis not a recap um the difference being that we can't possibly do spoiler free because we're digging into themes so also i am if you've made it this far into the episode yeah i'm classically a grouch about spoilers i'm like it's fine if you're (laughs) if you're listening if you're listening to something about something and they're gonna be spoilers deal with it (laughs) yeah so um (laughs) so if you've somehow made it this far and you want to watch this movie without knowing the end i would honestly say don't watch the trailer because i i I personally think that um the trailer gave away a lot uh that yeah this anyway. movie is not about the twist though it's not about the twist it's not but it's a fun twist. twist if, if yeah you no don't if you can save yourself from knowing the yeah. twist it's it, i'm sure it's very satisfying but sure. you don't it's not it's, it's so much it's, more than yeah that. it didn't ruin it that i yeah. knew the twist it's anyway. not the sixth sense no, um no but the other the other podcast that i will not really talk about it was a slate podcast and they kept being like, it's great. Like, it's great. It's great. It's great. But, like, I mean, I just don't know what so much of it means. Like, and, uh-huh. and they meant, like, the symbolism and the layers. But, like, the way that they were doing it, I'm like, they're like, yeah, I mean, I guess I want to see it again. And and that's that's the that's the shame of doing a movie that's, like, in theaters. Although, <clears throat> we've done that. We just also, got they're... copies of the movies. Um, well, also, they're slate. Pay, pay another ten bucks to go see it again. What's yeah, wrong Jesus with them? Christ. Instead of being like... I just, like, I don't even know. And then having to explain, like, parts that you miss to each other and then be like, well, it just, it's hard to understand what the rabbits could be. And I'm like, I'm shut like a, up. Also, like, that's not why we're here. You don't no, we're have... not here because of the rabbits. Yeah. But we they're, don't... they're trim. They're, they're delightful trim with some symbolism behind them, but they're trim. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like, did, did they did it ruin Get Out that they didn't notice the first time that she's eating segregated Fruit Loops? Like, no, it didn't. It didn't. It doesn't matter. It's it's a layer. It's delightful. It's a wink. It's fun. You don't have yep. to get it. You don't. I don't understand. It's like it's like a plague with this movie that people are just like, huh? Well, 
I just felt a little confused, so it made me not pay attention at all to any of it. Like, what the hell? I can only assume it's discomfort. So let's set the stage and talk about what this looks like and feels like. Um, I think what people are talking about when they're like, it's so referential and like for cinephiles is it definitely has a lot of references to other um, yes. scary movies. Like the daylight shots to me feel like a mixture of uh, Jaws and The Shining for the most part. Yeah, I, I got some Jaws vibes too. Yeah. I there some of his shots though, like with these long shadows are just very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yes. And there's all there's like and you can like I mean there, this almost has like a shining level of layered symbolism where people yeah. talk about how like if you pay attention, Adelaide's shadow is like different from the other shadows because she is yeah. a shadow herself. Her while she talks. Yeah. Totally. Uh-huh. Totally. Which I'm less interested in. I mean it's it's cool, but like I don't I, that doesn't really matter that much. Um and uh and I'm kind of cheating because I have like this list. Jordan Peele gave the cast um, eleven horror movies to watch. So that they could have a shared language while filming of like what is scary and what what are the beats, and they That's were very cool. And very I did cool. a lot of research and did not find it. So yeah. so tell us all. So it's Jaws, The Shining, um, Dead Again, which is a movie that I have never seen but I have always wanted to. The Babadook, It Follows, Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds, Funny Games, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. I've also not never seen Martyrs. I can't believe Suspiria wasn't on that. Cause I yeah, do that is kind of like, surprising. I, yeah. I'm surprised that Clockwork Orange is not on that, but I, I have never seen... Yeah, I, yeah. I lied. I've also never seen Funny Games because I don't think I could handle it, and I suspect that the stuff that I clock as Clockwork Orange is Funny Games in this case. Yeah, I, I also liked... Um, I think that Jordan Peele has already started to display kind of a distinct filmic style. His contemporary stuff has like a specific look and sound. And He's an auteur. Yeah. yeah, I love the recurring use of I Got Five on it. Yes, the music is... Really. I want to talk really about the music solid. next. It's yeah. so good, and it's such a haunting rendition of it. Apparently yes. there's, there's also like so he picked it because it has um, like a very it has like a very basic the, the, the message of the song on its surface is very basic, but lyrically pretty simple, right? Yeah. I, I'm putting five bucks on this bag of weed. Yep. And the, but the, but the um, composition is quite complicated and, and has like these, like almost what he described as like Freddy Krueger notes in it. Yeah. So the downbeats and stuff that she yeah. snaps on. Yeah. 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 Um, so he like wanted to create this like even more haunted rendition to play. And oh I think my God. It, it's so, so good. Works it so really well. Is. But there's also. I think that final dance sequence is incredible. The dance fight sequence. You know. Oh, I mean. agreed. Yeah. No, no, no argument from me. Um, yeah. But there also is like a weird, <laughs> a weird art. I'm ref- coming at you, Mary. Anyway, yeah. sorry. There's also like a weird art reflecting art about it in that I guess there is a, quite a bit of um, drama behind this song where the person who wrote um, either the either the hook or the chorus would never received money from the song. Like they sampled him and like never gave him money or like any credit for it. So literally this is a song that is so catchy because it's brought to you by a shadow person who never received credit for, for what they did. Oh my God. Crazy. So we just named a list of movies that it references. Uh, like I mentioned, when I listened to still processing uh, the New York times, uh, podcast that features Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris. Mm-hmm. I would recommend you all checking it out. It's a cool 30 minutes 
where they don't spoil us at all, but they compared to Beloved, there are like some really clear um, illusions that can be made down to like, you know, someone haunted by the past down to like the carnival scene wherein like the past manif- like manifests, you know, um, even like the formation in which they're walking in that opening scene, you know, um, the way that like this manifestation talks or is not able to, you know, just very, very interesting, cool shit. Um, plus you got, you got the fairy tale angle of this, you know, um, which is always, always comes out when it's like light versus dark, good versus evil, you know, this sort of like idea that I think us deftly challenges. Um, but you know, you have follow the white rabbit. I know that white rabbits are in here for a million reasons, including like rabbit Island, uh, where they used to experiment on rabbits and we are seeing like what is essentially a lab of humans, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. but, but, but you, you, you can't, you can't help but also think of Alice in Wonderland and going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And... Through the looking glass, right? Like yeah. you're, you're, yeah. you're in a bizarro, I mean like literally it's a hall of mirrors that she yeah. goes through. It's, so yeah. Yeah. Like distorted view. Yeah. It's, it's really, really very cool. All the things he's able to weave in, in a way that doesn't make it confusing to me, just enriches it. Yeah, of course. And um, one small detail that I really love is when I was watching it um, again this time around, all the stuff on the uh, Santa Cruz uh, boardwalk, I was like, this looks really, this is recalling something for me. And then um, Adelaide's mom is like, oh, they're making a movie over by the carousel. And I was like, Lost Boys is in this movie. This movie. Oh, my God. Holy crap. I did not make that connection. of, Of us. Because that's that's where they shot Lost Boys. Yes. In the in the movie Us, Lost Boys is still a movie, which I think is fun. I always like that's that kind really of stuff. That's really fun. Well, um, and also like that opening shot of like the uh, the TV, you know, features like movies and stuff. Chud that, like, is yep. one of them, and the Goonies yep. going underground. Yep, yep um, exactly. He he leaves a lot of clues for you. Um, yeah, They're, it's I mean, a rich text. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, it basically starts text. by being like, there are mysterious tunnels all over the United States. Doesn't that creep you out? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it does, actually. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's deeply very, unsettling. Very creepy. Um, yep. uh-huh. um, uh, should we should we dive into what I think that this movie is about? Yes. Something that I have been reckoning with for a while now is the fact that capitalism is based on scarcity. For some people to have a very lot, others have to have a very little. It does not support things like a universal basic income or a living wage. That's not the point of it. And for me to get to be sitting right now in air conditioning, uh, in a cushy chair, uh, talking into a microphone, attached to an expensive computer, with my best friend... Um, someone out there is doing the work that I'm not doing. I mean, even the privilege that we think that someone would want to hear our opinion is sure. No, like absolutely. A wild, like a wild choice. Like, right? I mean, yeah. Well, no, one hundred percent. But like, but just like literally at this moment, because I am not working, I know that someone else is. You know, like that's just the way that it works. It's not like we all just get an off time. We just shift it. The work just shifts to someone else. In order for me to have power, in order for me to consume goods, someone else is doing this and supporting my life. And even more so now that we are in quarantine, I have the privilege of working from home. And someone else 
does not and delivers groceries or meals and I tip them over 20% because I know I'm being like I feel like an asshole because I know because I know exactly what's happening and I see it and that's like my little bit to try and do something other than voting and activism and everything else and talking about you know a systemic oppression to truth to power you know but this movie's about our shadow selves the people who don't get to have all the nice things the fact that like but for the opportunities we have we could very easily be on the other side and it's the reckoning with that because it's a deeply american thing it's i like that he centers his story in america because yes you could talk about it as society as a whole but like by making it rooted here you have to face the fact that it's not just you know third world countries that have like fast fashion like we have lots of problems in our own space and people that we are chewing up and spitting out you know? Yeah. Well, and I think it's specifically about wealth disparity in America and yes. how it's horrifying and it creates monsters. Like, yes. And, and the, the, there's like, there's even duality within the shadow people, um, which I think allows yes. them to. The one, the one spot that I will say that is complex potentially and and I think could be misinterpreted. <laughs> a lot of it's complex. There a lot you know, of it's complex, yeah. but this is the most complex part for me to I think grapple with when you're kind of unpacking it is I don't think the shadow folks strictly represent the poor and the oppressed. And that is important because we can't Yes. because we don't want this to become a morality tale where it's like, well, of course the poor are violent and scary because no, we don't No, no, exactly. I mean? So yeah. no, and that's and that's what's fun is he really does challenge that. And I can't I've I've got some more stuff under identity that I'm like yeah. saving in my pocket, which is maybe stupid, but uh No, but that's that makes sense. But like I think we're supposed to they sometimes represent that, but they also show true reflections of how monstrous we are on the on the inside. Like the best example of that is when uh, Dahlia, who is Kitty, um, the white couple lady um, played by Elizabeth Moss, Tether is like being creepy and threatening to Adelaide when she's like tied up at the end of the bed. And sh- you see her like you see her like kind of like sort of like snakily like looking at her face like kind of going back and forth and then she mm-hmm. feels her own face and then she goes to the mirror and starts like carving up her cheekbones one assumes to make them look like Adelaide's cheekbones and or yeah or a reference to like if if you in his mythology if you get plastic surgery like in the right so and she already like, has scars on her face so we know that yeah. when kitty got plastic surgery before but it's like yep. even without kitty driving that this yep. person in this world immediately is driven to compete and keep up in this really insidious, self-destructive way that is so innate to the way that we live under capitalism such that she doesn't, I mean, she like in theory, she should not know anything, right? Like she should not know anything, but she's, cause she's just been pantomiming this whole time. It's her first like bit at freedom and she even can't, like break free. These are she these are yeah. these are her her ways, right? So that's not I don't think supposed to be like commentary on like the poor, but it's definitely no. commentary about like what what the shadows of us living within a system would do. So that's like yeah. a cool that's a cool uh, complicated part of the story, and I think maybe that's where people get like tangled up. But then they seem to have tangled up in like even more basic stuff that I'm like I don't know. I'm I'm not giving yeah, you the I... benefit of the doubt there. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with what you're saying, and I definitely don't think it's just, like, about 
poverty. I mean, it's definitely about class. I definitely think yes. it is about capitalism. I do. <laughs> Mary, <laughs> Mary and I laughed when I came out of this movie because I had told one of my friends who I'd just seen it with that I thought it was about capitalism. They're like, you think everything's about capitalism. And I'm like, A, yes, because it's the system by which our lives are run. So but like, everything but like, kind of definitely is. But also, this is about yes, capitalism. Yes, it is. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? This is about capitalism but, um, with a capital C. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not, we're not confused. Um, that well, makes me, that reminds me of uh, when I saw uh, They Live for the first time, another movie I love. And um, the people, one of the people I was seeing it with was like, this movie's not about anything. This is just like, this is just like a popcorn flick. And I was like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. Um, this is the yeah. most like metaphor driven symbolic movie of all time. What is wrong with you? You're an idiot. Yes. So, so to complicate this a little bit further, I think that, I, I think that something else he gets at in a really cool way is that, um, it's the way in which this film is kind of also about our glossed over past. So you have these scientists and presumably they cloned the first generation of people. It doesn't matter. I'm not trying to, like, take apart that house of cards. Um, and they tried to control the the people above using the tethered, and they were unsuccessful. And so they left and abandoned the project. But just because you abandon something doesn't mean it goes away. Instead, it festers because they're tethered ended up having kids they had kids people were born into this it didn't disappear just because we weren't actively controlling or trying to perpetuate it didn't mean it was gone and that is so much like american history and the fact that like just because you do something like outlaw segregation doesn't mean that we actually are successfully able to stop segregation because we literally are in a system that like perpetuates it. And just because you like try to pretend like something didn't happen and gloss over a past doesn't mean that it will get glossed over. So I think a lot of this also is about like kind of the like the ways in which we try to cover up the things that make us uncomfortable, which is why I love all the symbolism that they use were like, you know, the Frisbee that covers up the dot on the towel. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, these like per these perfect coincidences that can't be coincidences. Um, yeah. I love the chutzpah and the mm -hmm. choice, and honestly, the choice of it to not have a shadowy expert explain what the how the tethered came to be and why the tethered yeah. came to be. I love, I I we we know why it happened. We understand yeah. that. It was an experiment that just probably wasn't profitable, so it was abandoned. Yep. And didn't show enough results for the money and investment right. that it required. Right. Done. And they didn't they didn't close it up properly, right? Because because of course because they we couldn't don't. Well, and of course yeah. we couldn't because how would you close that up properly? Like gas all those people? Like there what you were doing, you started from an inhumane, horrible place. There is no way to rectify that. Like it's yep. it the toothpaste is out of the tube like you're done and no, so you'd have, to, you, you'd have to like break the whole thing in order to fix it and by break it i mean i don't know like just fucking bring integrate uh, a whole group of people it's impossible in the current system <clears throat> yeah there's no there's no way to do i mean like so red i think red is the only thing that we have to that shapes the myth and the information we get about this so she could be yeah. wrong about some of it i think she is wrong about one piece of it particularly yeah. um 
But I like that oh, I can't she wait to hear what you think. Yeah. I like that she's the one who like calls them the tethered, like creates the solution, like understands like it's sort of like the people that there is no there is no higher power that's going to be like, this is what these are the facts of the case. And this is why we did it. And this is how we can solve it, because that's not how it works. It's like it's yep. it's community and um and, and grassroots that sorts it out. And she's like a great Absolutely. example. One of person that. is able to speak like what is hap like put into words the human the the human the tethered condition i mean they are human so the human condition anyway it doesn't matter uh one person's able to put into words able to uh through art uh evoke uh evoke emotion um like it's when she dances and 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 this you know at at the same time that our adelaide is dancing um i i i'm comfortable calling calling the woman in the red jumpsuit red and calling the woman yeah. in the white flowy loungewear Adelaide because that's like yeah. how it is in the movie. I mean, we know that yeah, and that's red secretly that's Adelaide and Adelaide secretly yeah, red. Yeah, vice but, versa, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, well, yeah. Adelaide's dancing, like she she's able to give a performance that like that art does enough to like awaken people a little bit out of their stupor so that they, they are drawn to her. And then it looks like, you know, we see a classroom, like maybe like she did some like re-education um unclear you know uh but yeah well pretty cool shit mary i think the thing she's wrong about is i think that they do have souls i think everybody has if yes if the concept of a soul is real and i i almost think that you have sort of like this this take on dual so a lot of things about duality i mean we've all seen hedwig and the angry inch a lot of and mm-hmm. and read that shelf silverstein book a lot of about like the perfect circle i think a lot of the stuff about duality that we think about is that it's like another person who is like our soulmate that completes us i think in this story it's our tether that completes us like we're supposed we're not supposed to not be together like that's where yeah. it's wrong yeah and ripping them apart yeah, that's what's wrong. And creating sort of this artificial, like truly artificial Divide. barrier between them. Yeah. Like it's 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 a physical space that keeps them separate is what's yeah. wrong. And I think that that extends out to like the separation that we feel from each other via wealth is fake. It's entirely a construct. There is nothing that says that the people that live underground are worse than the people who live above ground. We have Adelaide... Yes transitioning and passing for a above ground person seamlessly after time of course but like yeah. she learns to talk she can keep up like like she's not she's not otherworldly you see moments yep. where you realize like there are there are hints especially if you that, know the that twist she still carries uh yes. yeah some of the some of baggage her... of her like Right. Earth, like nature versus nurture stuff. Well, you and know? like, and also her like cultural <laughs> upbringing, right? She was like, yeah, that's what I mean, like early nurturing, yeah. you know, right? Yeah. Um, with her, well, but that's not that doesn't like have serious impact on anything, right? Yeah. So, I think that they're supposed to. I think they all have souls, and I think that they're kind of like two pieces of the same. Like maybe they each have half a soul, and they're supposed to be together, and that's that's why it's that's the perversion is that they can't be together, and the, yeah, and in fact the soul was never meant to be split really in the beginning, but it was artificially, and now it's just perpetuating going forward. Um, I I really like that reading. Um, I have a I have just a slightly it's not really even a different it's a slightly 
different one um, that yeah. I'd love to share with you. If uh, So I <clears throat> I don't even think that the soul is necessarily like like the point in the because all right so I was talking to my mom right and she was like I really like that movie and then at the end though like you know the the wrong woman like took the right one spot I was like what made her wrong like what what is that thing what makes someone wrong is it the opportunity because like she she knew what it was like to live above ground and so like how hard it would be to lose that but like if they're also just humans and mom was like well yeah but the soul and then she even answered her own question, which is like, you know, philosophically speaking, though, some people believe, you know, that you you earn a soul. And what makes it real? Is it love? It was she has the love of her family. She loves them fiercely, too, and wants to protect them. Like, mm-hmm. what makes you real or right? I think that that's what's so complicated about this is like, I don't think your read is wrong. I think it's also that, you know, it's just about opportunity, what you're given or what you have to take. Absolutely. Absolute. I mean, that's what the whole... Yeah. That's what the whole twist is is there for. If you didn't yeah. have the twist, then then it would be an easy morality like the well, good versus the bad whatever. But well, that, that's not the story. Well, it, yeah. wouldn't still, it, would, it wouldn't be easy, but you know what? It I mean. would let us off the hook. We could then it would believe, let us off the hook. Yes. We could then believe that the the people below ground truly are the other and that the people above ground are, you know, like it's not fair, but they're innocent. We're not our ancestors, jeez. Like, right? That sort of thing. And yeah. like they... that, like that Trumper TikTok that I saw where she <laughs> said all good lives matter, and I was just Total, like, oh god, so angry. Yeah, yeah. but like Mwah. this, like this doesn't just thread the needle. This like jams your whole arm through the needle, and is like, look, no, they are every bit as human as the above ground <laughs> ground yes. folks. They just have like way fewer options. And being above ground or being below ground, that's just like the luck of the draw, which I cannot think of a better (laughs) better symbolism for what it is to be a have or a have not. And I love I'm going to drag us back to capitalism for a second. I love I love how like clear he distills this down, because I think that there's like you can once you start talking about a class, especially in America, because we are not comfortable with it. We don't like to think about it, even though it's like clearly so ingrained is that. Because then people are like, well, inherited wealth and like, oh, but like, do you earn your place when you go to Yale? Well, who knows? And like, it's too much. It's too much. And Peel just like strips it down and is like, look, class is an escalation of choice. You have the underground folks who have no choice. They're trapped. Their world is rigid and it's mean and it's sharp and they can't do anything about it. You're just in the darkness pantomiming something you yeah. don't understand with no context. You partner up because it's because it's what you are told to do, and you bear children you don't want to have because you don't have a choice. You have no choices. You eat cold rabbit, raw rabbit, because you have no other food. This is it. This is where you are. And then you have the Wilsons, who are Lapita Nwango's family. And we know yeah. just contextually that they're like upper middle class like they're wealthy enough to maintain their inherited beach home right yep they can go to on vacation to, to buy the crappy boat yeah they can go on vacation thing yeah, yeah. And, and 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 really right gabe is rich has just rich enough that he can pantomime his richer friend by buying a crappy version of their boat right like yep yep and yep. then you have the tylers who are uh elizabeth moss and um oh man what's his name What's that actor's name? Uh, Tim Heidecker? Yeah. From Tim and Eric? Yeah. From Tim and Eric, who you're just like, Tim what? and Eric, awesome job, great job. That's yeah, where you, awesome that's where you, yeah. that's where you know that uh, Peel has his chops in comedy, because you're like, no one would ever have 
cast Tim to do yeah. this if you didn't know him from comedy yeah. and know that he could do it, which he does a great job. I like him quite a bit in this. The only other movie role I think I've seen him in is in Bridesmaids. He's actually uh, Maya Rudolph's husband, but you see him on screen for like maybe 30 seconds of that entire movie, which is the right choice for that movie. But sure, uh, it was fun getting to see him actually have a role. Yeah, and like do stuff. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, but they have an abundance of choice. They're on a beach and they have a full bar. They have the funds to have elective yep. surgery. They have a nice boat. Their house is nicer. Like their house is beautiful. They are like they are solidly wealthy. Right. Like, uh, like the the man Tyler Tim, who's not named Tim in this. What is his name? His name is Josh. Josh has like the is so used to having abundance of choice that when um, Kitty comes down and is like, "Hey, I think that we're under siege. I think that there's like a problem." He is like, but I don't want to do that. I'm choosing to stay comfortable. I want to stay in my cozy yeah, spot. I don't want to get up. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how much choice he is spoiled with that he wouldn't be like, oh, God, well, I guess I have to deal with this now. He's not, that's not his life. So no. I love that, that it's just like so clear and so American because we have in America, like, like, recall in the early days of the pandemic where you couldn't like get whatever groceries you wanted. I don't know if what for mm-hmm. you, but that was existentially a little bit terrifying to me. I was like, but no, I've never yeah. lived that way. And no, it, it and and I thought so much about like what it would be to live in a different world than we grew up in. Where like I'm going to the grocery store and being like, I guess I'm buying all the frozen food, right? Not, like I don't get me wrong, I was not like buying out grocery stores and like taking from other. Like I I just bought enough to like fit. I know you that know, you and I both extra... have like a cache of like five pounds of frozen broccoli in our freezer. Yes. 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 I still do. So it wasn't things that other people were desperately buying, no. but it was stuff that I'm like, it was stuff that I'm going to need to eat a vegetable again sometime. Right. What if everything yeah. closes? But like, yeah. even, but that's like so American, even like, well, we're not even talking about like developing worlds don't have that. Like people in Europe don't have that, you know, yep. like their, their yep. system is just different and it doesn't it's mean that they're different system. also not incredibly privileged because they are in different ways, but this is sure. an American story. And this is yes. not Americans are used to choice as like as like a, a status symbol. Being able yeah. to make choices is your status symbol. Um, yeah. And the so, tethered have just such a lack of choice. Yeah. And that well, and that's what money buys you. That's something we all know. Money just provides opportunity. Money provides choice. Like these are things that we say and acknowledge, you know? We're not we're not radicalizing you to capitalism. We're repeating the stuff that is said every day. Yeah. Right? Yeah, pretty much. Um You know, I, I love that you mentioned that that they're American. A, a read there's a line that I I feel like <clears throat> so this is probably the last time I'm gonna reference uh still processing. Uh but they talked about the line wherein uh Gabe is like, like, who are you? And uh Red says we're Americans. I love and that. It's so creepy. <laughs> it's so creepy. It's so good. Uh, and and it it feel like it roots the problem. But they were like, you know, this movie was made from from some by some self aware black folks. And being black and watching the and watching this, what I heard was like, where are you from? You know, all the times that we're asked, where are you from? And like, and and the answer is America. You know, but like, mm-hmm. I just thought that was really interesting. Something I didn't even fucking see or consider. You know. Yeah, that is that is cool. Well, and also just kind of the idea that um the idea that we always we always otherize the yes, people exactly. we view 
as scary. Um, and different, yeah. Yeah. I do, I, stepping back to sort of like, sort of the duality stuff for a minute, I do also like that um, the twist allows us to almost like question like why imposter syndrome exists. Like definitely Adelaide, like her nervousness to me is the anxiety of imposter syndrome. She knows she doesn't belong yes. and she's afraid that yep. that the things that she has done will be undone <laughs> and that yep. she will be called back and she'll get dragged down the the one-way escalator back down to the underground, which is yeah. very literal in this case. Like she literally does not belong, quote unquote. But yeah. it forces you to also confront like why? Like she clearly is doing fine. A long time ago, I realized trans rights are, like, if we can get trans rights, we can kind of get, like, all the rights. Because trans rights are, are saying that biology isn't destiny. And if we can get behind biology isn't destiny, then, like, you know, who you're born to shouldn't affect, like, what kind of education you get. Mm -hmm. You know, we should just have great education across the board. Um, where you're born ups in the upside down or you know in the sunken place of this or in the above ground like why does that determine the course of the rest of your life but it does that's what systems do and so you know and there are there is not an escalator going up there are some stairs you can like hack your way up that escalator but like you know yeah. it's bad it's hard. Well, I think you had to do what Re what Red does, which is run up the escalator the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> which you can't think of like an even better metaphor for like how difficult no, exactly. it really is. And yeah. and unnecessary. Like why would the escalator not go both ways? Yeah, upward mobility. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Why why can't the escalator go both ways? Because we don't want it to. Well, I say well, we. We all know what I mean. Well, and isn't it isn't it interesting that the escalator does go down though? Like that is yeah. the threat is that is that if yeah, you it's really don't... easy to slip down. It's so well, much harder to climb up. Right. If you don't participate in the system, if you don't play ball, you're going to go down that escalator because it's very easy to go down. <laughs> like, it is go very for easy it. To lose everything. Yeah. yeah. And then you're going to totally. be stuck. Like, so it's yep. it's that is the implicit threat there. And I I think that there is um, all the scenes where you see the 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 underground people. Um, pantomiming are so scary <laughs> like they just yes. are because it's like it's just like everything about it it's like it's very artificial and it doesn't look human oh yeah and the lighting everything but yeah like, and, the and their performances so the performances so are fabulous yeah yeah um and i think it's supposed to be sort of a mockery of like the system itself and the things that we topside dwellers do um yes Yes. And and to me, that makes the Hands Across America stuff make a lot of sense. So I agree. I agree so much. And I'm, I'm so that's exactly where I wanted yeah. to go next. So. so I'll give you some background Please. for people who don't know about Hands Across America. And you shouldn't because it was completely forgotten by culture, basically. Um, yeah. So in 1986, there was this attempt to recapture um, the buzzy success of We Are the World, which was a attempt to recapture the buzzy success of Do They Know It's Christmas Time at All? You know, all all of these things kind of like snowball from each other, which also is kind of funny because they're like pantomimes of the one before it and they become totally. less and less successful as you go. Um, it's possible that We Are the World was more successful than, but who knows? Who does, doesn't matter? Who knows? Yeah. Um, and the idea was that millions of Americans would pay up like at least $10 for a chance to be a human link in a continuous chain across the, ca the continuous United States. 
and that the funds raised would be donated to charities who were committed to specifically wiping out hunger in America. So, like, the one of the most basic things we can do, right? Like, it's not, like, let's, let's feed people who don't have food, right? Yep. And from a participation perspective, it was wildly successful. I think, like, 6.5 million people participated. Um, and what's funny is immediately when you read about Hands Across America... There's, like, you can tell people are uncomfortable with it, but the thing that they always say to, that like, like to, like, express their discomfort is they're like, well, it wasn't a continuous human chain, which I think is, like, just such a yeah. weird detail. You're like, yeah, I don't expect, I don't expect that people are, like, in the middle of Death Valley. Like, what are you Right, in the middle about? of, like, streams. Yeah, like... no, of course not. That's craziness. Um but there are there is like more um, more things that you could complain about, which is that it was incredibly wastefully managed, and yep. they spent a lot of money like transporting, like they had all the celebrity attention, which they really enjoyed, and so they were like spent a bunch of money like helicoptering like celebrities to different cities so that they could like be in the chain, and. It was just, like, in the end, they, like, donated less than half the funds they raised. They fell short of their goals, like, tremendously. And it just, yeah. like, kind of was forgotten, right? Yep. And I think it's pointing to the fact that, like, we're committed to causes when it's trendy. We post a black square when it's trendy. But those are ineffectual efforts because, especially when you consider the amount of people behind it, like, the visibility of doing a stunt that self-aggrandizes you as a participant is always prioritized over actual, like actually solving the problem that you're trying to solve. No one asked, did we actually solve hunger in America? We clearly didn't. People are still hungry based on this. Instead, people were like, well, I was part of it. It was cool. I loved it, right? And Red fixes that. Because her plan is, look, if you want to join the chain and make a hands across America thing and prove that our people are are have have made systemic change and are freed, freed as a community, you actually have to do the thing, which is you have to kill your double so that you retain the soul and then you get to be rewarded with the show. And it's yeah. chilling. Yeah. But I think that's why it's so scary when you see the chains of doubles, not only because it's, like, inhuman and they're, like, just, like, going into the ocean, which is weird. But yeah. I think, like, it's not just scary because we know that each person in that chain represents a, a real human death, which is upsetting. But for I think sure. we also are seeing, like, the true power of coordinated effort and yes. capitalism instills in us a fear of cooperation and yes. we don't like that. So Peel is basically forcing us to face how, like, our implicit and, and unacknowledged cultural values and economic system pits us against each other in violent and unnecessary ways and keeps us from actually doing things that would cause systemic change and bring across equality. And that is an uncomfortable thing to sit with in a movie that... We were just like, I mean, I don't know. I came here to have some fun. Like, it's 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 tough. It's a really tough pill to swallow. Yeah. You know, um, it also, yes to all of that. And I, I think that 
to have Hands Across America take place in 1986 when, like, we're dealing with kind of, like, you know, a second Cold War, you know? Um, I mean, Ronald Reagan was one of the links, if that tells you anything. Exactly. Like, we're dealing with the, and we see him on on screen in the, you know, mm-hmm. we're dealing with the second Cold War. We are, uh, we have an AIDS crisis, uh, and we're pretending like everything's sunshine happy. Like, if we all just hold hands, we'll fix the world instead of doing any work about it. Like, it just is such a cognitive dissonance. And, you know, they hold hands for 15 minutes. Adelaide was only missing for 15 minutes. Uh, that's, you know. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. But, uh, but, but just, like, beyond that, I think something that's really interesting about this is um, the ways in which – so Adelaide's wearing a Hands Across America t-shirt and then pulls on a Thriller t-shirt over it. Uh, red – okay – Red is, whatever, young Adelaide, and then Red, who then becomes Adelaide, takes the Thriller shirt and leaves the Hands Across America shirt. But, like, that means that the two images that are imprinted on this little girl's uh, mind are Hands Across America and Thriller's Michael Jackson. Uh, the red jumpsuits, the single glove, those those are very much, like, Thriller. The, like, Hands Across America as a way to, like, if what they want in part is to be seen and known so that the other time is over and it is their time now. That is the dramatic way that they do that. And just the idea that, like, what what becomes these galvanizing symbols are basically, like, the trash. Like, what little bit gets to float down is fascinating and haunting to me. Yeah. Well, and I think the jumpsuits are also supposed to represent labor, like... The yeah, classic, prison. Yeah, labor camps. Cla- yeah. The classic. And even just, like, factory work. Like, the people who work yeah. underground, the people who work in the dark, the people who, you know, make yeah. the stuff that then Sometimes we buy. Sometimes if you're a plumber, depending on, like, where you are. Mm-hmm. Factory. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The like, pe- when, when I say, like, the people who are working so that I can sit here and cushion air conditioning, I mean people that, like, power plants and people in factories that are generating, yeah. you know, our, our vast multitudes. People who are in oil rigs, <laughs> like all of those, yeah. all of those things are are hard manual labor kind of stuff. And jumpsuits have always been attributed to them. And um, actually, it's interesting to pay attention politically when jumpsuits come in and out of fashion, um, mm-hmm. because typically it reflects uh, a desire to feel more of the people. Like that becomes trendy among the higher classes, and then that mm-hmm. becomes less trendy, and then we go back to some other bullshit. But um yeah i we did i did some stuff about the history of the jumpsuit for uh for co once and uh it was really interesting and kind of sad at the same time um it is interesting there are characters there's one by the way co is categorical oracle oh my other my other show check it out my other other show um other show (laughs) yeah um that was the uh back to school fashion episode where i talked Mm -hmm. about jumpsuits um the there is one character I think in this who is and it makes sense because he is the one who recognizes that his mother is not yes. potentially who he see, who he thinks who I think has like already peeled this onion halfway and has yep. chosen a really interesting way to like show that so I think I think that a lot of the identity stuff in here is that we have these like thin little masks that we put over our faces so we can feel we can feel like yeah. we fit in and they're they're ready to I mean like the the movie poster has a mask on it. Like, that's yeah, not, totally. it's very literal, like, right? Well, and, no, absolutely. Abso- it's funny because the things we're talking about, you know, like, I think upon maybe listen, maybe if you didn't catch them before, upon listening to this podcast, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that, 
that that's pretty that's pretty there and in your face right yeah i would think so yeah um but yeah i think that it's like you know the idea is that we all are our shadow counterparts to some degree we all have that same like capacity for violence and we actually do commit violence all the time on them we just don't have to get our hands dirty to do it um and then we wear this mask of civility on top and he wears that wolfman mask which of course is wonderful because like you know werewolves are like the beast within man coming out and I thought it was a bad Chewbacca mask this whole I think time. It's, I think it's Forever a Wolfman mask. No, I'm sure you're right. Anyway. So the idea, so he is a human, he is a sweet little human boy, right? Like a like a darling little child who's darling. a human. Darling who, boy. Who hides behind the mask of a monster for comfort. Like that's really interesting. So I think he's supposed to be, um, I think like there's a, I read a bunch of things where people were really confused and were like, wait, so did he switch? And I'm like, no, you know, he didn't switch. You got to see him like burn up his, his counterpart in like, you know, like a glorious blaze. What are you talking? He can't, he is like of all of them, the one that cannot be switched. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, um, the other one has like very distinctive scars on its, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Pluto is, is scarred up because as opposed to having like a cute, a cute, a hobby which is magic his cute hobby is fire which is a good duality with magic um but uh you know i i think it's i think it's interesting that jason is sort of existing in this middle place where he he has recognized that like there are layers to the human soul and that he's actually much more comfortable wearing his monster mask than he's wearing his human face um yeah and that's why he recognizes at the end that Adelaide is of the underground and that she killed her topside dweller counterpart. Yeah. Um in that scene. Uh which is I th- and she knows it too. She knows that he knows. I think. She knows that he knows. She looks at him. They make eye contact. It's like she sees it there, but it doesn't matter. She loves him. She kept him safe. He, he, He'll be fine now. He is her child. He know, yeah, he can know her. That's fine. That's that's what I think that little smile is as she drives away is it's like whatever. That's fine. Well, and you also know. and also that means that he is half of the underground as well, which we yes. know doesn't really matter because it's they're all just people, so it doesn't really yep. matter. But of course. but maybe that's also why he can kind of live in this in-between space. Absolutely. The last thing I want to say um about identity you know, there are all sorts of fun little pieces. Uh, when she first goes in the Hall of Mirrors, it's, you know, a, a Native American vision. The shaman vision creation. quest. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then it turns into, like, Merlin's path. But it's all the exact same. We just put a different veneer on it. So that goes to, like, kind of your talk about, like, the mask of civility. Um, but I do think that... I think in some ways... Like, Red's obviously angry that they switch spots. Of course. But I think also... It's that Adelaide's able to forget. Maybe not, like, always. Maybe there's always a little bit of imposter syndrome, existential dread, but enough to live her life. Well, yeah, I mean, she has has the ability to... It's a lot easier, I think, to forget how cold rabbit tastes than it is to forget that you didn't used to have to eat cold rabbit, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Apathy comes from a place of privilege. You only... You only don't have to worry or know if you're not currently drowning in it. 
And so, like, it's that, like, forgetfulness, which is something we are all engaging in all the time when we continue to live in a capitalist society because it's the only game in town, even though we all know it's fucking rotten to the core. Well, we don't maybe all know. But I hope you now know. <laughs> I think we all. <laughs> From Jordan Peele's film. I think on some level we all know. Yeah, we, that it's we, a little bit rotten yeah. to the core. That um, that it's a rat race. That for some to have a lot, others have to have very little. Um. It's why conversations around free health care come up. And it's why literally that the taxes would go up on the very wealthy isn't good enough reason to not give people free health care is like <laughs> used as like an excuse. Like, um, oh my God. So so it's just. Yeah, I just I think it's that that's, it's why it's why the converse. It's why the, the competitiveness between Gabe and Josh is uncomfortable it's yep. why the conversation between Kitty and uh, Adelaide is uncomfortable. Yep. Like even those, even those slight differences in wealth matter so hugely in our system. Yep. Even though, like, they're all on the same vacation. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're in the same. Like, their houses might be different, but they're in the same beach. They're at the same place. Yeah, you know, same vacation. I love also all the set um, work on that that particular scene, and uh, I I don't know. We used to have the kind of towel, or my parents still do, have the kind of towels that uh, Gabe and Adelaide are like have put on the back of their beach chairs, and they're so they're yep. kind of like they're like '90s, little worn out, like right. Yeah. So clearly, yeah. these are like the towels that Adelaide's parents just have in their house, and like they're fine. Yep. They're doing the job. Yep. They're towels. But then when you compare them with the the brand new sparkling fresh yep. towels that Kitty and Josh sit on, like it's just such a wonderful visual metaphor. Even yeah. though like they're sitting on the same beach. Like yep. they have access to all the same kind of stuff. It doesn't matter, yep. but it does matter. It matters yep. enough that that like that it makes everyone uncomfortable even the yeah. audience watching it. Yeah. Yeah, and why you immediately understand why Zora does not want to hang out with those twins. <laughs> like yeah. you totally understand well, also, it. Those twins are like, like, I feel like Josh and Kitty don't think of themselves as racist. Those twins, I feel like, are blatantly racist. So you know, whatever. They're at um, least they're at least like mean because they they're definitely at, they're at least mean to outsiders, which in this yeah. situation manifests as racism. So yeah, fair. Well, yeah, because they're mean. They're mean to Zora uh, about Jason being yes. weird, quote unquote. Yeah. Why is your brother so weird? Yeah. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Jason's a cute kid. He's also just a kid. Yeah. How old are you? Anyway. Um, I think it was also awesome to make, like, it's at least the way I perceived it is that, like, Zora is, like, a little bit too young to hang out with the twins. They are not yes. peers. Like, she's probably a freshman and they're probably juniors, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. like, a, it's like just enough or difference. Or she's just a yeah, totally, totally, totally. That it's like it's awkward, and so, but like the fact that her parents don't perceive don't it as such that. because yeah. because like two years to an adult is nothing, but two years to a child is everything. Like you're in like yeah. a different species practically. Well, and right, it's like Sora probably is about to start high school. Like she's yeah. probably not even in high school yet. You know, like that right. is a big gulf for a kid. Yeah. To climb out of. So I think it's awesome that there's also just like no recognition. It's like we're the same. We're the same. The, these people are reflections of us to some degree. Yeah. They're the reflections yeah. of the people we want to be. So, of course, our daughter would be comfortable hanging out with Becca and Lindsay. But of course, yeah. she's not. <laughs> like, of course, she's not. Like, it's just obvious. Um, yep. And then went to be faced with your actual shadow selves. Uh, 
they're not comfortable with that. They don't tr- they don't want to try to make that work when they're, of course, to their credit, like the shadow people are like, we're definitely going to kill you. So I understand. Yeah. No, but of it's course. but it's like one of those things where when you see a true reflection of yourself, you don't want it. You never want to be part of a club that would have you as a member. Right. You yeah, always totally. Want, you always want one more one more thing. And I love that this story is like is is about middle middle class black people. Like, right, the Wilsons are, yes. are upper middle class at least. Like, or at least yes. middle class, probably upper middle class, right? Yeah, probably upper middle class because they're, you know, they're on a they're on a vacation at a beach. They, they, they maintain a, a vacation home. home. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Like, yeah. Um, but you immediately understand why Josh and Kitty, being the type of white people they are, would be friends with them. If the Wilsons were not black... Josh and Kitty would probably not be friends with them because they are below yep. their social status. But because they are black, they add cachet and they, they're they their black friends. Like you just like know that like yep. as an American watching this story about class. And doesn't that tell you everything about how how we think about race and America and money? Yeah. 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 It also, it's funny because uh, art imitating life and imitating art imitating life uh, with the way I like to say it because I do think it's just like a fucking like yeah. snake eating its tail. Um, we were talking earlier in this episode about reviewers who um, who clearly wanted to be like, I don't like this movie, but we're like, I mean, but Jordan Peele's great. So, yeah. I mean, He's this, so close to good. being so good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and you're just like, and not only is that ge- keeping bullshit, but like, they, what they are saying but not saying is like, I mean, if a white person made this movie, I wouldn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, uh, he's so yeah. close to making a movie that I, a white person, am interested in. I was yes. interested. I was interested in Get Out because Get Out's kind of about me. This is not so much about me. It has moments. It has hints. It's there. But it's not so much about me. It's about something yep. bigger than me. So I don't really like that. <laughs> like nope where's my story tell me about me totally totally with all of that said Lep- this is Lupito Nyong'o's movie her performance yes. is incredible yes. there is no da- there is no doubt in like this is her movie she her hand is on that wheel there is no one who's shifting her off that i would say this the person who is second best is elizabeth moss yeah, I I honestly would agree with that. I mean, her I think that performance think lots is of performances chilling. are great, but like, yeah, yeah. her performance yeah. is so goddamn scary. Like, if not if if not Lupita Nyong'o in the main, Elizabeth Moss could have run away with this movie. And I do wonder yes. if she had, if all those reviewers would have liked it better. I don't know. Oh, I don't know, because I I don't think it would have been as good a movie. Because like, even though she's amazing, like I think that like. Well, no, I mean, like, gives, like, you okay, can't, the t- it's like this is not said. about the Tylers. No, like, you no. need, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but her, yeah, I, I she deserves The problem is, that movie's been made plenty of times. Yeah. You know? Like, the white family, not not obviously this nuanced film, but, like, a white family. An invasion, invasion story. And, like, you know, yeah. whatever. The Strangers, you know, whatever. Funny Games is about that. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. I should see Funny Games, but I, I really don't want to. Um, <laughs> just, just really don't want to. I haven't seen it, so Oof. yeah, I'm, I'm not here to. I don't typically like home invasion stories because I think it's just like it preys on like the weakest points of your psyche as an American. This is okay because it is making it is kind of making fun of you for that and being like, this is what you're like. Yeah, you should be afraid of this. Like, of course, these people would want to take you 
like take your blood. You have yeah. ruined their lives. Yes, of course. Um, so it's it's it, I like this home invasion movie where it's just like everything you love, you think you're safe. You're not safe. Like I hate, <laughs> I don't need that in my life. Yeah, it's not not interested in that personally. So the biggest strength of horror as a genre is that for it to be effective, it actually has to pull on real societal or cultural fears, right? Or innate fears. Um, like, and this movie does not work unless it is scary because it has to make its audience uncomfortable. And I think if you just have like a coolly reasoned drama about like how what the wealth gap is immoral and like justifying injustice hollows out our identities and makes us like people wearing little thin masks like that doesn't translate and make and like push an audience as hard as it needs to um to confront how scary the inequality in america is like you really you need you need the emotional reaction of being scared i think to to have this film work otherwise it feels it, it could potentially just feel sort of like preachy or something that you could just like push away. Like it has to like have a shock to your system so that you like the message gets in. And I don't think anyone expected this movie to be as scary as it was because Get Out is not scary in this way at all. Um, and I think that it's that shock of horror that people write off as quote unquote confusing because they do get it, but they don't want to get it. And it's unavoidable, but they don't want to. And and also we are not used to seeing, even though though we know that non-white audiences are the biggest consumer of horror, typically horror is about white people for the most part, unless it's unless it's um, like a a import from another country. Right. So. Typically, that's that's what it's about. So it's it's weird for it's weird, quote unquote, for white people to see a story not only about a black black family in peril, but a black family in peril across a class divide. And so I think we just are like, that's not right. That's not how we think about race in America. So, no, we think that race and class are the same thing. So we don't we don't buy it, which is racist. (laughs) that's a racist that's inherently racist i would go so far this is like this is the thing i said to kate this morning where i think she was like damn like i think that if this was about if you took this movie and you were like the tylers are the main characters and um anita or uh, adelaide and uh gabe and zora and jason are their black shadows like the black yes. family are the shadow family and the white family is the the top side dweller. And you told this exact same story, even though there'd be weird parts of it, but like this exact same story with the exact same message about black people attacking white people and like calling them out on their privilege. All, all of the reviewers, all the very important cinema folks would be like, this is a masterpiece because it would be <laughs> criticizing specifically white supremacy and we are more comfortable as white people with that because it confirms white supremacy and that's flattering on some level to us we want to be at at the very least preserves your hegemony right like we as white people want 
to have the option to yield. We want to be the aggressors and like and the people that have power and we want to be able to learn a lesson and then let go. Like that's what we want to do. And that's yeah. not what this movie is about. It does not let any of us off the hook. It's like we are all, all of us are complicit in this vile system. And if you are in the middle class or above, you are a genteel monster. And because of that, you deserve to feel the violence and the pain that your comforts cause others and be mocked for your values and your hollow gestures towards those others. Like, you deserve this. And it's not wrong. Yeah, I... I had a conversation with Mary, I think this was a couple years ago, um, where I was like, you know, I realized that I can't expect, like, we live in a white supremacy, we live in a patriarchy. I'm going to I'm gonna attack this first from a patriarchy because that's something that is easier for me to talk about as a woman sure. who is on the outs on that. Yeah. I, of course, people feel uncomfortable, your, your white male friends feel uncomfortable when you tell them that it's a patriarchy, and less now than, than a couple years ago. But, you know, uh, because, like, what are what are they going to do? It's disingenuous if they said that they would love to, you know, just share the power because like, sure, like we we all like I would rather have things be equal. But the bottom line is like they're lying if they say that they would like they wish that it were reversed, like because they who would no one would. Yeah. You know, who who, who is currently a, a white middle class man, yes, cis man would trade with anybody else except for potentially being like, well, I'd like to live in the skin of someone who was oppressed so that I could, like, not feel guilty about my privilege. Sure, sure. Which I but think that's is like, becoming more of a thing, but, yeah. Yeah, which which I, I like, and, and oh God, this makes me an awful person, Um, but just going to be real vulnerable with you all. I think at some points I have thought, like, I have wished that, and, and but it's stupid, and I know it's, and, like, and that's what I realize is, it is, I don't blame black people who don't trust white people because it's the same fucking principle. You're, yeah. We, I would be lying if, like, if I thought hard about it and got beyond, like, the genuinely, genuinely, I wish that there was equality. But I'd be lying if I said, like, I wish it were reversed and that I, you know, like, I mean, I do in the way that, like, this is awful and we owe so fucking much. But like, but I, I, I can't say that, like, other than like the crushing shame that I, I that that emboldens me to do something. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel so vulnerable. Everybody, and naked right no, now. I, of course, everyone would rather be the ally than the oppressed person because yes, then you course. have a choice, right? Yes. Because yes. you're you have yes. an escalating choice. You can choose whether or not you're going to let this bother you today. Yeah. Even even maybe like it maybe it bothers you every day, but like. You can choose but, how much it's going to bother you today. And yeah, you can like, I could, put it on the shelf. We could choose to let it not bother us. We Absolutely. could choose apathy. Because apathy is a form of privilege. We could make that choice. We yes. aren't making that choice. We shouldn't we make that choice. We don't deserve a fucking medal for it. Like, yep. that's, you know, nope. it's a fucking basic. But but still, um, we could we could, we could could make that choice. And that's a much better position than not being able to make a choice at all. Um, I was listening to a podcast about the redonkulous movie Dreamcatcher, um, which is so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And um, and in it, uh, spoiler alert, 
but also like <laughs> spoiler alert for Stephen King's Dreamcatcher. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, guys. Um, in it, the, an alien comes to Earth and is uh, a facsimile of another character, but somehow his facsimile inexplicably has an outrageous, like John Cleese level British accent, like. The, the person... Like, they got something wrong in the translation? Well, and so I was listening to this podcast, and they were talking about it, and it's so... Com- it's not, I do not think, meant to be comical, but it is so comical, because it's like Faulty Towers is, like, rocketing around as this alien. Like, it's like a wild choice. And they were like, they were like, well, why did why would that happen? Why would you just not take his voice to do this? And one of the... One of the um, I think the guest on the show was like, well, I mean, if you're an alien and you come to Earth, you're like, I'm sorry, what is the most powerful way to talk? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A British the accent. British Empire. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, that's what immediately commands respect and forces people to listen to you. Yes. Having a white British voice. That's what it does. Like, yes. One thousand percent. And yep. so... I think that I I think that it's not it is definitely vulnerable and I'm glad you said it but I don't think it's it's undeniable that yes. people who have power don't really want to trade out their power they might want to share their power they might want equality would love to share would love equality but, but no one would no one would no one would trade places at, uh you know to- topside red when she's topside would not trade places with with down below Adelaide. Like, there's just no way. Why? No way. Yep. So, yep. And, and I think it kind of forces us to reconcile that, to think about that. And it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable thing to admit about yourself. And there is existential dread. And how vile is it that the existential dread of America is being poor? The worst thing you could be is be poor. Like, well, because the worst thing you could be is someone without any options. No choice. Yes. <laughs> like, if you just were forced, if you're forced to have the children that you didn't want to have, if you were forced to eat the food you didn't want to eat. Which, I mean, forced to have the children you didn't want to have, like, if, if that isn't like a fucking slap in your face metaphor, I don't know what is. Yep. For real. Because you know that, you know that no matter what happens with the Supreme Court and Ro- Roe v. Wade, the rich are always going to be able to afford to not have the kids they don't want to have. Yes. Always. Yes. Yes. It's not it's not the same. No. It is a it is a oppressive tool that is going to be leveled against the poor and probably the middle class. I would say that they'll probably stretch it that far. But yeah, the rich are always going to be able to have access um to safe abortions. No one else will. <laughs> that's that's so clear to me and it's terrifying to think about. Um, pack the courts. Pack the fucking courts. Just say you're going to do it because it will make them so mad. I mean, they're probably not saying it. I think that there is there is a, there is a, and I don't respect this game, but I think that there is a certain amount of gamesmanship where it's like, let's not make anybody too mad so that we don't, yes, we don't get we people. We don't tip our hand. Well, and we don't get people coming to the polls to vote against us. Who, no yeah. one's going to vote against Joe Biden. He's, he's, he's not. Offensive enough. I mean, he should be. There are things he's done that are deeply offensive, but there we're not talking about that. The media is no. not talking about it. We're not talking about it. We're not it's... talking about the moment during the debates where I cried based on what Joe Biden didn't say, and maybe, maybe I'd had more than one drink, but like it was, it was a hard debate, and uh, 
But we're not going to talk about it because we're all voting for Joe because we got to get rid of Trump. That's right. Later, we'll talk about it. We're not talking about the time. We're not talking about the time where two ridiculous men fight it, fought about like how much they both loved fracking. Um, we're not oh talking my about God! It. What is that? We're not talking about it. Um, <sighs> it's very, it's very disturbing. It's very disturbing. Why? Even if he, even if he said some sort of neo-lib nonsense about how like. This is how we're going to get to cleaner energy by fracking now and then doing the right thing later. I don't I couldn't even couldn't even muster that. No. Um no. Nope. Yeah. You're asking for too much, Mary. I know. Um <laughs> how I, dare all, you? All these crazy wild radical ideas like we should like take care of our citizens and make sure they don't all just die needlessly. Uh-huh. Uh that the environment, you know, doesn't have to, you know, be like a fucking clusterfuck. Yeah, um, California does not need to be on fire. One assumes. One would assume, but who knows? We could be wrong, Mary. <laughs> I mean, I think it's at this point it kind of does need to be on fire, unfortunately. Um, but it's not as if there weren't things we could have done to make it be less on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Both in real time and in the past. Um. All right, Mary. I think we've I think we've reached the end of our discussion. We had a lot of rich text here. So, what do you think? Was us femis was us femisting is what I was about to say. Was <laughs> Did you was ask me if I wanted to fist us? Because like maybe. <laughs> was us feminist? Was it interesting from a feminist perspective? Yes. I mean, I think that this is about inequality under capitalism, which is a feminist issue. But it's, like, much larger than us. So I think that, like, in the Venn diagram, this is a big circle that, like, fully encapsulates or should fully encapsulate the circle that is feminism. Because that cat with under this oppressive state, women will never achieve equality either. Capitalism doesn't do us any favors either, regardless of where we are economically standing. We are we are pushed down. So, yes, it is feminist. I think it is capital C uh capitalism commentary and lowercase f feminism but yes i do think it is i love this movie i've said it a million times i highly recommend it um once again i will say if scary movies are not your jam you might want to skip this one i act i do like scary movies and i actively lose sleep for a couple of days every time i revisit this movie because it is very scary so I definitely wouldn't be like, anybody should watch this. Like, no, you know yourself. You know what you can deal with. Um, but if you are willing to lose a couple, couple, couple winks of sleep, it's very much worth it, in my opinion. I like that you basically just said, know yourself into thine own self be true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can't watch this movie. It's all right. It's uh, yeah, tr- Truly, truly. Like, and know- hilariously, I'm going to actually come down on the exact opposite side. As the resident weenie, let me tell you. It's important for you to get over to it. <laughs> turn on the lights. Watch the movie. It's good. It's worth it. Get through that initial bump. I know I said it's scary throughout, but like that initial like terrifying and I wanted to crawl out of my seat in the in the movie theater and like m- go like over the two people in between us and climb into my sister's lap. Uh, that that honestly does uh, settle down after the first, you know, third right. movie. So, well, yeah. and, and just like every horror movie, um, the the initial shock does does cool out a little bit. Like that's just that's just normal, and this does that as well. Um, I think that this this ha- is very. 
he's very savvy in this where initially it's like a lot of emotion is what you're reacting to, right? And yeah. then a lot of the information is sort of backloaded so that you have you have like physical dread and then you have existential dread at the end. So it is it is a it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty clean experience. But um yep. Yeah, so it's scary the whole way through. It's only almost unbearably physically scary for the first <laughs> the half. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if I'm telling you to watch a movie, what I'm saying is you'll be fine. Yeah, it's true. I, you know what? I'm I, with you, Kate. Don't be a weenie. Watch this movie. Yeah, I'm. I am someone who genuinely like does not do scary movies, but like I will do art that's worth it, and this is fucking worth it. Anyway, it's also mm. not terribly gory or exploitive yeah uh-huh yeah and i think we've we figured out the exploitive is i think like one of my big issues um yeah so i mean like i think that a lot of people like some people truly cannot handle blood Th- yep. this is not, not this is the 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 violence in this movie there is there is violence but it's not i, I think that if you can handle like most like war movies you can handle this for example yeah that's not my problem either, but, like, you know, it's reasonable if that's your problem. Not yeah. you, you're, you know what I mean. Yeah. Audience, if, like, you can't, you know, handle gore, then, yeah, don't worry about that. But if if you are fine with gore, but also just scared of scary things and feeling scared and hate the feeling, just like you hate being, like, tickled or something, it just, like, makes your skin crawl, whatever, it's worth it, get over it. Yeah. <clears throat> fair, fair. All right, we did it. Yeah. Um, By the way, I think it's feminist, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Same way yes. Mary said. Intersectional yeah. feminism is important. Yes. Yes. Um, it's feminist, but it's not only feminist. We can't yeah. fully own this this big old piece of this big old pie. We got a piece of it though, for sure. Um, so Mary, what are what are we gonna do next time? So next time we are gonna have a little bit of a soft transition from horror back to sci-fi with sort of a hybrid piece. Um in a the delightful parody of nineteen fifties atomic horror monster movies the and it also has a couple of toe tappers in it the campy musical classic little shop of horrors this is pro- this is probably my favorite musical i'm really excited to do it i'm so yeah. excited to do it yeah me too mary came and saw me in little shop of horrors when we were in high school so that's right you know. uh-huh. that's right yeah uh-huh. yes uh, you are one of the st- two times i've seen little shop of horrors on the stage and i loved both of them and i love the movie I think what you mean is, and I was your favorite. Um. You were my favorite, of course, <laughs> of course. Anyway, doesn't doesn't matter. I'm I'm mostly giving you shit. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So so come on back. Um, come on back next time. And always, thank you for listening to Space Bras. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts of quality and excellence. We are there. While you're (laughs) there, you can congratulate us on how great we are by subscribing, rating, or leaving us a review. Five stars, please. Five Um, stars. Five stars. We also have a website, outrageousmechanisms.com slash space-bras. And also, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Hell yeah. Awesome. Uh, and now, join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of space bras. In these troubled and troubling times, we must remember that even though everyone might suck, we are awesome. And the galaxy can and will be ours. Cheers!
an outrageous mechanism's production.